scripture. Whenever I teach, I get to be a little bit more interactive. So let's start it off with a little call and response. God is good. That was all right. I think we can do better. God is good. And all the time. Amen to that. Now, today I'm supposed to teach you about the wise men. But I'm not going to do that. I'm going to teach you about you using the wise men as a guide. So today we're going to have some fun. Uh, it's going to be inter- interactive and hopefully impactful. But of course, first I want to start with the word. So please open up your Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, there should be one in the seat in front of you. We're going to be in Matthew, which is the first book of the New Testament. The Bible is divided into two halves, Old Testament, New Testament. Go to the New Testament, Matthew, chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. And I'll read. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi, or wise men from the east, came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all of Jerusalem with him. When he called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time that the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in the dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Now... This is a pretty well-known passage. I think most people have read that before, right? Most people have heard this or seen it in the movies. Just about every nativity scene includes the three wise men. But as Pastor Lee and as Pastor Eric have shared over the past couple of weeks, what we see in the movies and what we imagine when we think of the wise men is not necessarily accurate. At least it's not accurate to what we just read. So I figured we'll kind of play a game. We're going to play true-false. It's really easy. If you think what I say is true, you're going to raise your hand when I say true. And when you, if you think it's false, you raise your hand when I say false. Right? Everybody ready? you played this before, right? All right. There were three wise men. True or false? False. We don't know how many there were. The Bible doesn't give us a number. We assume there were three because there were three gifts. But some writings say there could be as many as 12. There could be 36. We don't know. But because of the three gifts, we automatically assume three wise men. Okay, number two. The wise men visited Jesus in the manger. True? False. Oh, you got to catch it on. The Bible says they visited him in a house, not a stable, not a manger, with only his mother mentioned as present. And we know that Joseph was there at his birth. So that one's false. Number three. The wise men visited Jesus as a newborn baby. They went to go see baby Jesus. True? False. Oh, now it's not fun anymore. (laughs) 
The Bible does not specify an interval between the birth and the visit. Some people say it occurred up to two years later, two winters later. And this interval is explained when Herod goes and decrees and commands to kill boys up to two years old. He chooses two years old because he remembers, or the wise men tell him when the star first appeared. So it's been about two winters at least. I mean, it could have been one year and Herod was extra thorough, okay? But I imagine that he asked the wise men and the wise men were honest, and so he killed them accordingly. So what does that mean? That means that the wise men traveled a really long distance to see Jesus. If it took two winters, then we're thinking, well, here, I'm going to show you. This is our nativity scene. Everybody sees this. These are our wise men. They're always there, but it really is more like way <laughs> over here. All right? And this poor guy is slow, but he's with them. So they came from the east. This is the east. That's a little more accurate. It's a long distance to get to where they wanted to go. It was a journey. Okay, last question. True or false? The wise men were kings. True? We're just saying these three kings, right? False. They're all false. Ha ha. <laughs> They're often referred to as kings because of Isaiah 49, 7, which says, Kings will see you and stand up. Princes will see and bow down because of the Lord who is faithful, the Holy One of Israel who has chosen you. So we played a little Mythbusters. We talked about what we assume or what we think we know about the wise men. But now I want to talk about what we know based on Scripture and how we can apply that to our lives. So let's pray. <clears throat> Lord, I thank you for this opportunity to speak your word. I thank you for the opportunity to learn first what you would have me know and what you shared in my life so that I could come and share it with everyone here today. I pray that we have open hearts and open minds, and I pray that you would speak through me and that my words would be your words and that your will would be done. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. I almost called this lesson, Are You Wise? But I felt like that might have been a little too combative. But I'm going to ask you some questions. Actually, what I'm going to do is point out how the wise men were wise, and then I'm going to tell you how you could, should, or maybe you already are wise. Number one, the wise men were expectant. The wise men were expectant. They were looking for Jesus. They expected to see something in the stars. They were astrologers. They were always on the lookout for a sign, for a miracle. They were watchful. They knew what to watch out for and how to recognize him when he came. Do you know how to recognize Jesus? I'm going to say that again. Do you know how to recognize Jesus? I'm going to tell you. First one, it says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star and we've come to worship him. These guys traveled a long distance and showed up and nothing was going on. You ever show up to a party or an event on the wrong day? And you walk in and you're like, is it Tuesday? Right? Maybe you guys are too cool for that. Have you ever shown up to an event in the wrong dress code? You show up. First of all, I'm going to put on my old timer hat and say kids today don't know how to dress for a wedding. Okay? Most people, you wear a suit to a wedding. You wear a tie. I see guys showing up in khakis and button-down shirts. But anyway... A long time ago, I was dating this girl, and she invited me to her sister Stas's wedding. And this is her first time getting to meet her family. It was an important event. It's a wedding, so I'm nervous, right? I'm like, okay, 
what's the dress code? Now, my mama raised me right. She said, you got to wear the right thing. So I asked, what's the dress code? And she said, black tie. I said, black tie, like tuxedo? She says, yes. Now, this girl was wealthy. Her family was wealthy. $3 million house in Rolling Hills Estates overlooking the ocean. They were paid, all right? So I'm like, well, maybe this is how rich people do it. I'm just going to. So I rented a tuxedo. I was, man, the vest, the jacket cost me like a buck fifty, buck seventy, whatever. I was sharp. So here I go. I show up to the festivities in my tuxedo, the nice shiny patent leather shoes that you rent cost an extra twenty five, right? I'm good to go. I open the door. Everyone's in suits and sport coats and sweaters. I'm the only guy in a tuxedo that's not the wedding party. And somebody literally asked, Are you security? And I was like, no, I'm, I'm here for the wedding. So they're looking at me like, this poor kid doesn't know what to wear to a wedding. Look at him. He rented a tuxedo. He's never been anywhere before. And I'm standing there embarrassed. And I'm going, okay, it can't be the same tuxedo as the wedding party. Same exact tuxedo as the wedding party. The only difference was my vest was blue and theirs was gray. So I totally looked like I was working security. All I needed was like an earpiece. And I could just stand back and be like, <laughs> come in here. It was horrible because everyone asked me, why are you wearing a tuxedo? And I, just, I couldn't wait for the reception. The reception came. I took off my jacket. I rolled up my sleeves. I was like, it's not a tuxedo, right? But it still had the rib shirt, you know, all the little rib lines and the funky little, what do you call them? Le, le braids, le, whatever. I looked like a clown. But I'm at this party and I'm so embarrassed. And I thought, man, I, I feel like my motivation was right. There was something big going on. And what I, I expected it to be a certain way. I expected a black tie affair, but I showed up dressed for the occasion. I was wrong in my execution. I had an expectation, but I was wrong in my execution. So oftentimes we pray without expectation. A lot of times we worship without expectation. How many people eat or pray before every meal? Oh, Lord, thank you for this. Amen. Right? Are you expecting anything to happen when you're praying there? When you come in here and say, oh, Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, move today and bless this time of worship. Are you really expecting something? Good. (laughs) These men went on a journey expecting a certain outcome. So how did they know what to expect and how to act? Number two, the wise men had knowledge of prophecy and scripture. How did they know what the star meant? Either they had studied this ahead of time or they saw the star and went and researched. They did their homework. They studied They knew the Torah, they knew the prophecies, and when the time came, they were ready to move, and they expected something because they had that knowledge. So to have an expectation, how to recognize God, we have to have an understanding and a knowledge of who he is. We have to have an understanding and knowledge of what the Bible says about him. You ever try to meet somebody somewhere, you never met them before, maybe it's a a work collaboration, a job interview, you're not sure what they look like, so you kind of stand there and... Right? You can't recognize someone unless you have some sort of foreknowledge of what they look like, who they are, what they're about. Now, do you have knowledge of prophecy in Scripture? Do you study and research the Word? Do you hunger for it? Do you cherish it? Or do you do it out of formality? I want to show you a video. Mark's got a video with the sound. I want to show you what I mean by do you hunger for it? Do you search for it? Do you want it? Do you long for it? You got it, Mark? Thank you. 
先做了，调先做了。Now these are our Chinese. This is a Chinese underground church. These guys are receiving Bibles for the first time. They've never held a Bible before. They've never seen. The Word of God in written form. They have underground churches where people share verbally, but they've never had their own Bible. These people are crying, they're kissing it, they're clutching it to their chest. Do you think they want that knowledge? Do you think they want that 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 they hunger and they cherish the Word? They do. Do you? So what happened next? Number three, the wise men sought after Jesus. They did something. What did they do with their knowledge and expectation? They traveled to where Jesus was because they knew who Jesus was. They were willing to make a journey. They were willing to take a step. It's one thing. I talked last time I was up here to believe. It's easy to believe. It's hard to act on it. Belief is easy. Walking in that belief is different. Walking in that belief is hard. Are you seeking after Jesus? Are you walking in that same belief? Number four. The wise men sacrificed for Jesus. In going to him, they left behind their families, their jobs, their kids, their livelihood. They gave time and they gave money to pay for the travel. They could have been killed by robbers. They could have been killed by the elements. Any number of things could have happened. They sacrificed a lot of things to serve Jesus. What are you willing to give up to serve Jesus? What are you being asked to sacrifice to serve the Lord? Maybe it's a hobby. Maybe it's a sin you're not quite ready to let go. But there's something that you might be holding on to that you're called to sacrifice. Number five, and I'm going kind of fast because the kids are going to come sing here in a minute. Number five, the wise men risked something for Jesus. They risked the dangers of travel, and eventually they risked King Herod. At the end, we read about how they went a different direction. What if Herod had caught them? They're gone. They're done. Some historians say they did. There's a crypt, a shrine built to the uh, wise men. I forget what country it's in, but these guys risked their very lives to go and see and worship the king. What do you risk for Jesus? It might be time. It might be time off your job for a mission trip. You might risk embarrassment. How many times have you had an opportunity to share the gospel with someone, but your fear just kept you from saying it? Maybe there's an opening in a conversation at work, and you're like, I could tell them about Jesus, but they might look at me different. I know I have. What are you willing to risk for Jesus? Number six, the last thing on your outline: the wise men submitted themselves to Jesus. They submitted themselves to Jesus. They bowed down and worshipped him as a king. Matthew two verse nine says, "After they heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead until they stopped at the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. They bowed down and worshipped him. Do you bow down and worship the king? 
Do you put him first in all things? Do you submit to his urging and direction? Do you heed his teachings and the, the direction of the Holy Spirit? Do you submit yourself to the calling that Jesus has placed on your heart? Proverbs 19.20 says, Listen to advice and accept discipline, and at the end you'll be counted among the wise. The wise. Now you can put your outlines down. I just want to say one more thing. Christmas season is all about Jesus, right? We say it all the time. He's the reason for the season, right? Everybody got that little catchphrase, bumper sticker. But it's not just the reason for the season for Christians. It's the reason for the season for everybody. Let me tell you what I mean. Even if they don't know it, even if they don't want to admit it, non-Christians celebrate the birth of Christ. Who else but God? Who else but Jesus can change the way the world operates for a season? Hear me out. Listen to me real quick. The world literally stops every December. Christian or non-Christian, believer or non-believer, it stops. You got time off. People change their routines, their behavior, their attitudes. They stop and take notice of the birth of the king, even if they don't believe he's the king. They still stop. Let me give you some statistics. First of all, look at the mall parking lots. The radio stations start playing Christmas music. Airports are packed. Travel is crazy. There's multiple family gatherings. People give gifts. People are more uh, generous, more philanthropic than ever before. They give to the poor. They, They celebrate with family. They exchange gifts. They take time. They slow down. Even if you don't follow Jesus, you're celebrating him right now. Both believers and unbelievers change their routine, but even if Christians, non-Christians don't want to recognize Jesus, I think you should recognize that what they're doing. Peace on earth, goodwill to men, that's not a secular thing. That's Christianity. That's Jesus. What other time of the year do people suddenly become generous? What other time of the year do people suddenly start talking about love and wanting to surround themselves with family and start leaning on each other and trusting each other and sharing? There's Sending Christmas cards hundreds of miles. Let me give you some statistics. 34%, I'm sorry, 94% of Americans celebrate Christmas. 94% are not Christians. In fact, only 83% consider themselves Christian and only 20% regularly attend church. Think about that. 94% celebrate Christmas and 20% regularly, regularly attend church. The average person will spend $805 during the holidays. The average person travels 275 miles to celebrate Christmas with loved ones. 26.3 million trees were purchased last year. UPS estimates it will ship 630 million packages. U.S. Postal Service delivers 20 billion cards between Thanksgiving and Christmas Eve. Guess what? These people are celebrating. They're preparing and they're getting ready. They're they're changing their routines because they're expecting something. Something's changing inside them and they don't even know what it is. They're expecting something. They're preparing and they're changing and they're getting ready for something. They're at the party, but they're wearing the wrong stinking outfit. They're celebrating something and they don't know what the dress code is. They don't know who's supposed to be singing. They don't know what time it starts. They don't know what day it is. They just know something's different. So it's our job to represent him and let them know. 
It's our job as followers of Christ to represent him and let them know my name is Christopher. My mom's here. And I always cry when she's here. I don't know if she knew what she was doing when she named me Christopher, but the Greek translation for Christopher means one who wears or represents Christ. People, I didn't know that was my calling. 37 years later, here I am doing my best to represent Christ. But every one of you are Christopher. Every one of you is required to represent him to each and every one of your friends. We got people in this building right now who don't know Jesus. They came to hear some kids sing. You came to hear your grandson, your niece, your nephew, your great-grandson, your daughter, your son. Maybe your kid goes to school across the street. You came to hear a song, but I hope you're hearing something else. I hope you're recognizing that there's something different at work here. I hope you're seeing that there's something special about this season, about this time. I hope you understand that I'm not up here for myself. I'm up here for you. I'm not representing Christ to me. I'm representing Christ to you, and I want you to do it, and you to do it, and you to do it. And if you already got your Christ pajamas on, buy some for somebody else. (laughs) You want to give some gifts? Give them Jesus. You want to give a gift? There's no better gift. So if you don't know who I'm talking about, we got to represent him. And to represent him, we got to recognize him. Let me say that again. If you want to represent Jesus, you have to recognize Jesus. Amen? Come on, guys. I'm up here and I'm working. If you want to represent Jesus, you got to recognize Jesus. Amen? Amen. It's Christmas. Dang it. Let's get excited. I'm not going to see y'all on Christmas. We're going to have Christmas Eve. We're going to hold candles. It's going to be nice and quiet. But Chris Dickens is yelling at y'all today. Because I want you to represent Jesus. you got a week until Christmas and somebody out there needs to hear what I'm saying. Somebody in here needs to hear what I'm saying. I'm getting excited because I'm passionate. I don't even like Christmas. It's too commercial, but I love Jesus. We've got to be like the wise men. We've got to expect him to move. You have to seek after him. You have to be willing to risk everything for Jesus. You've got to be willing to sacrifice for Jesus. You have to submit to his teaching, his direction, and his will. Some believers lose sight of what Christmas is about. Yeah, it's the food, the shopping, I'm not just talking about Christmas. We forget in April. We forget in July. We have work and kids and school. But we have to make that journey. We got to make that journey from here all the way to here. We got to go from the east and travel to where the king is. And we got to bow down and worship him. That's why I called it the journey today because I don't know if you guys know what I'm talking about. But there's a journey to this amazing thing that God did for you. You see this baby, you see the nativity scenes, that baby, peaceful and quiet and gorgeous, that baby was on a mission. Amen? Amen. That baby had a job to do, and he did it. That baby was literally born to die. Think about that for a second. That was his sole purpose, was to teach you and die for you. That might sound weird, but here's your chance to get right for the holiday season. I'm expecting that God's going to do something here today. I'm expecting the Holy Spirit to move. So I'm moving. You can see the impact of the birth of Jesus, but if you don't know him, maybe it's time you got to know him. Maybe you walked away. Something happened. Maybe it was politics in the church. Something happened to a church leader. Somebody in your family said something. You know, those things can hurt, but those things aren't Jesus. So today I'm going to invite you to do something. 
I'd like the band to come up. Where are you guys at? Pete, Sam, we're almost done. <laughs> All right, maybe I'll just start singing. Um, <laughs> you guys don't want that. <clears throat> I'd like the elders to please stand up. Maybe get a couple of you to come up here, elder couples. Byron, Rich right here, Rich and, and Joyce. Gosh, I'm so bad with names. I always cheat with the name tag. If you guys could come up, Byron, Diane, if anybody wants to post up here, we're going to have a little bit of an altar call, and I really don't like altar calls because I wonder, why do you want me to stand up? Why do you want me to walk? Why do you want to look at me? Can't I just have a decision for Jesus in my heart? can I just make up my mind? No, not today. Today we're making a journey. Today we're going from there to here. So here's what I want you to do. You don't have to kneel. You don't have to lay down. You don't have to make crazy noises. But if you have a question, if you need prayer for anything, you're sick, you're scared, you're worried, if you want to talk about Jesus, if you want to take that first step, I'm not going to tell you it's a miracle and you're saved. I'm telling you today's the first step in a marathon. I want you to come up front. We're going to sing a song, but I want you guys to come up, pray with one of the elder couples, pray with me, pray by yourself, sing by yourself. But if the wise men can travel two winters, you can travel 20 feet. If the wise men can believe that God is moving, you can believe that God is moving. If the wise men have something to say, you got something to say. And I want to empower you. In the spirit of God, I'm going to speak out to you and empower you to represent him. This is your time. Christmas time. It's not about a revival. It's a celebration of his birth and you're already celebrating it. Just put on the right outfit. Just make the journey for the right reasons. Proverbs 3.13 says, Blessed are those who find wisdom, those who gain understanding. Make that journey, and you will be blessed. Thank you.